That's our series, Keys to the Kingdom. Not keys for how we get into the kingdom, but keys that open the doors of our hearts and minds and habits. Keys that open the doors that bring more of the kingdom into us. Last week, we talked about how, uh, how, how there's a key that lets more of the light of the kingdom into the dark corners of your worry. Trust is that key that opens the door that lets more of the light of the kingdom into the dark corners of your worry. Now, today, how does that light get out? How does the light of the kingdom shine on the people around you in the form of influence? How does that light that is illuminating your dark corners, get out in the form of influence? Well, the answer, I think, what we're going to see today in Matthew 7 is transparency. Allowing people to see that light is the way we find deep influence. From the Word of God, Matthew 7. Verses 1 through 12, selected from this passage. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or... How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot. And turn to attack you. Now verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. May God bless us through this, his holy word. Let us pray. God, your word is a, a lamp unto our feet, a foot lamp that lets us see a step or two ahead. It's a light unto our path. Light up our path, we pray, by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Harvard uh, political scientist Samuel P. Huntington has studied and noted that every 60 years in our country, we go through a moral convulsion, a moral convulsion. He looked back across the history of our country and he shows how every 60 years there is this questioning of institutions and a turning over of who has influence. I think we're in one of those moral convulsions today. Over the past few years, we've been turning over who has influence. 
And it can be a little frustrating when you see that a cat named Lil Bub, who was born with serious developmental problems, that that cat on the internet has more influence than you do. Now, this is broad influence, wide influence. It's an age of, of, of these flash-in-the-pan influencers, these YouTube stars, who have a lot to say, have a lot of opinions. They're not necessarily uh, informed, studied. They're not necessarily healthy voices. And so, but, but they get, they get, it's an attention economy. And, and getting attention requires that you become really a, a paid troll, a provocateur, somebody who, who really knows how to, how to get people's ire up, get reactions, get emotional reactions. And it can be very frustrating to see so much influence from those who have this breadth of influence but their influence is not necessarily healthy. It can make you want to have the same kind of lever, you know? Archimedes said, give me a, a lever big enough and a place to stand and I can move the world. We want that kind of influence and power. We want to push back on this sort of influence. When we see uh, this kind of PewDiePie nation, all right, PewDiePie is another one who has, the, uh, who has this great... And I'm, I'm not... I'm not not trying to dig on them. I'm just saying this is, a, this is broad influence because of technology. What kind of influence did Jesus have? What kind of influence does Jesus have? Well, you say, of course, he's got the broadest influence of anybody else. But where did it begin? It started deep. It didn't start with this broad influence over what soft drink you should buy or over hot takes, it started with a few men and a few women. He went deep. His influence went deep. So how do you and I achieve that same kind of influence? What's the key to letting the light of the kingdom in which you trust that's bringing you a sense of freedom and purpose and meaning into a world that is so hungry and thirsty for purpose and meaning and looking for it anywhere and everywhere. How do you let that light out, that light of influence? The answer is transparency. You got to let them see it. If it's gotten in, then we need to learn how to take some real risks to let people see within us, what's really going on, transparency. So let's look at how to be transparent. To be transparent with our differences, to be transparent with our flaws, and to be transparent that we ourselves are willing to be influenced. That's where we're going. Differences and flaws and teachability. Let's take a look. The first, if we're going to have influence... We've got to be transparent with our differences. That means we need to be able to complain without condemning. Complain without condemning. You look at verse 1 and it says, judge not. 
and you say right away, judge not. That doesn't sound like somebody who's speaking up, complaining. That sounds like somebody who's kind of withdraw, keeping it to yourself. Well, that's because we have conflated all kinds of judgment. And it's become the one sin, if, if our culture claims any kind of sin whatsoever, it would be this one, that we're not allowed to judge one another. Not all forms of judgment are the same. There is, there, there is discernment, for example. There is understanding what is right and wrong and whether somebody's behavior is on the right side or on the wrong side. We're to make these kinds of judgments without condemning. That's the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about. You see, the reason why this gets traction, this idea that, that we're not supposed to make any form of judgment whatsoever is that we're in an age of individuality where I get to say what's right and you don't. Everybody is their own authority. And that's, that's, what, uh, that's sort of the, the orthodoxy of the day. And so this becomes a convenient way to quote Jesus in order to keep you from holding me accountable to anything, especially when I violate your rights. When my rights violate your rights, I want to be able to quote the Bible to say, back off, buddy, don't hold me accountable to any sort of common standard, which is a kind of calling to a common standard. I mean, it's such an incredible contradiction. It's just sort of, I want to quote the Bible as an authority, but I don't want to be under any authority. And this is why people use this judge not out of context in order to be able to do whatever I want, especially when it crosses your line so that you don't have any purchase on pushing back for the sake of your own rights. It becomes a dog-eat-dog. I remember uh, years ago, I I was working with somebody. I was working... Uh, alongside somebody uh, who I respected and, and still do to this day and, and uh, love and honor. Uh, but it was early on in our working together. And um, he kept crossing the line. Uh, actually, what, what I'm talking about is kind of a, a composite story. When I was younger, I really believed that if I was just silent and modeled the right behavior, that other people would reciprocate. That if you stepped on my toes, I'd just pull them in or I'd just move them or I'd just say, oh, I can take it. And so having a high threshold of pain I thought was a virtue. I thought it was, I thought it was just good for me to be able to tolerate bad behavior. I remember, I, and this, this person I, I had, had, had power over me at the time. And... Uh, I remember confronting him. It was really difficult. I I said, I want to talk to you. We sat down, and uh, we had a really difficult conversation. And uh, I remember going home to Beth, my wife, uh, that that day, and I said, I think I'm going to be looking for work. (laughs) It was that bad. It was was really tense. And... um, and I, I was afraid that I was going to lose my job or that I was going to cause a, a rift, a wedge between us. And I would just 
end up having to go somewhere else. You know what? That's the day our friendship started. I can look back and see a change in our relationship, our working relationship. That's the day when he began to see who I really was. You see? That's the day when I complained. I said, ouch, I don't like that. Stop, don't, don't do that. Let's, let's not do that to each other. Let's not work that way together. I complained. Now, a lot of times complaining has a bad connotation, like it's just sort of whining. It's not so. A complaint is just simply saying, drawing the line and saying, hey, this is where I start and you stop. It's that simple. And you know what? In order to be able to know where that line is, we have to judge. We have to discern. And then we have to speak up and hold one another accountable. We need to be able to do that. Jesus is, is not saying you, you don't ever make those kinds of judgments, but you don't condemn people. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, okay, so what if I used that complaint that I had and I used it as a weapon and I caused the person I was talking to injury, harm? Now, it probably hurt when I said it, but it didn't harm and I certainly didn't intend any harm. Or let's take it a step further. What if I, what if I diminished his dignity in the, in the process of complaining. You see, this is somebody made in the image and nature of God. And what I'm doing by complaining and drawing a line is I'm calling us both up to a higher standard. I'm not putting anybody down. And that's what Jesus is saying. Judge not, don't, don't, don't put people down. Don't diminish the, the, the dignity of somebody, the image and nature, made in the image and nature of God in the course of drawing a line. Because that standard that we draw, if we say, you know, if we're drawing for people an impossible standard and canceling them if they don't make it, Jesus is saying, well, that's the standard you're really setting for yourself. As a matter of fact, you begin to plant seeds in your own mind of perfectionism. Where do you think it comes from? When your, your mind begins to, to suggest to you, you've got to be perfect. And it begins to exhaust you and wear you down. Where does that come from? It comes from judging others in a condemnatory way. And so Jesus isn't saying, here's the new rule, people. You better listen and follow it. He's saying, out of a sense of compassion for you, let me show you how this works, how relationships work. Complain without injury or contempt. That's what he's saying. Judge not. And when you do that, just as in my story about my old boss, when you let them in a little bit, when you show a little transparency, when you take the risk, they begin to know who you are and they begin to see a confidence that goes beyond your ability, that goes beyond who you are. They begin to see an identity that has a point of reference outside of you, an authority beyond you, a kingdom that is coming. They begin to see it when you're a little transparent. And your influence grows because your transparency begins to shine outwardly. Well, second, we need to be transparent with our flaws. 
Not just with our standards, not just with our lines drawing, not just with our complaints. We need to be transparent with our own flaws and to admit that we're somewhere along the way. You've heard me say over and over again that when I'm talking about something that we're all trying to achieve that in, in terms of human habits and behavior and character, that we're all somewhere between zero and 100%, right? That's a, that's a great check. That's a great personal check. When people see that you know you're not arrived, you remove pride. You, you remove the wedge. You remove the barrier between them and the kingdom of God in you. When you take the risk to be a little transparent that you're not perfect, you're somewhere between 0 and 100%, your flaws, they have access to the kingdom. <laughs> You've heard somebody say, you know, your mess is your message. It's kind of like that. But it's really saying, it's really a hopeful picture that your hope is not in your performance, that you're not what you used to be, that you're somewhere along the way, and that by the grace of God, there is progress. Verses 3 through 5, you know, last, last week I was talking about Jesus being funny. Well, you're going to see it this morning. He's hilarious. He says, why are you trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye when you don't know lumberjack? You don't know the old, the own, now that, I wasn't going to say that, but Brian's shirt provoked me, okay? <laughs> he's saying, look, he's saying, you're trying to get the speck out of, I see Alan down here, I'm going to pick on you. Alan, you've got a speck in your eye, and let me help you out with that. <laughs> let me see if I can get that for you. Now, actually, I'm kind of worried because I don't have like, the depth perception here. With <laughs> one eye here, but let me see if I can help you with that. Now, this is the picture that Jesus is painting. He's saying, hey, you're walking around like this, people. And you're trying to help everybody out with the little speck in their eye. You look ridiculous, you know that? You look ridiculous. That's funny. It's also true. People can see our flaws. They can see things we can't see. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? They can see things that we think we're hiding. But when you develop the kind of trust to be transparent about those flaws, to not take yourself so seriously, you begin to take more seriously a deeper grounding, a, a, a deeper righteousness. You, you begin to show people that your confidence is not in yourself. It's in a foundation. It's in something far more profound than your ability. You know, and, and we catch ourselves in this all the time. I, I catch myself in this. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, driving on the highway, and somebody cut me off just to get, you know, that whole deal where they, they're, they're, they're tailgating you, and then all of a sudden, there's an exit come up, and they race around you, and then they cut you off in order to take that exit. Is that, that's never happened to you, right? Yeah. I remember this happening one time, and I could see on the bumper sticker as this person was, you know, just almost hit my bumper, I saw this bumper sticker. 
uh, practice random acts of kindness and senseless acts of beauty <laughs> as they made their way down the exit ramp. Well, the next day, I was late, and I was kind of stressed about it. And I found myself tailgating somebody, wondering what was wrong with them, right? And then all of a sudden, I remembered, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, it was reversed. And see, that's you. That's me. We're somewhere along the way, somewhere between 0 and 100%. When we are transparent about that fact, don't you think, don't you believe that giving people access to that begins to increase your influence? Deep influence. Deep influence that points past you. Well, we should be transparent about our differences and complain without condemning. We should be transparent about our flaws in order to point to a hope that's beyond us. And we should be transparent about our own teachability, our own will to learn, even to learn from the people from, to whom we would like to bring influence, the influence of the kingdom. In other words, the very people you want to influence when you are willing to be taught by them, that opens up an avenue for your influence. You see how that works? You, you can imagine, I mean, the people that you admire and respect when, aren't you honored when they are willing to learn from you? Doesn't, doesn't that make them grow in stature in your mind? It doesn't diminish them? when somebody that you respect is willing to be teachable and to let you teach them? Well, see, it's easier to see it that way. It's harder to see it the other way around. But let's try that on for ourselves for just a minute. This is what it takes to practice the golden rule. You and I are, are very uh, familiar with the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others. Take the initiative to do to other people. What? What if you were in their position, you would want them to do to you? That, that's the golden rule. Well, how do you know what you would have them do unto you in their position? You have to use your imagination. You have to walk a mile in their shoes. You have to try on what, what they're in the middle of and what they're dealing with. And that means... You have to be willing to learn from them what's going on. Let me bring this into a, a burning relevance of today with, with a, another composite example. Over the last few years, uh, I have seen uh, celebrity Christian leaders hacking away at each other, and it is just such a shame. It's not helpful. It makes you wonder whether having celebrity Christian leaders at all is even worth it because of the damage that they can do by the way that they treat each other. It's not good. Uh, I can think of several examples. You can, you can think of your own. You can probably think of a half dozen. I think of the way that Russell Moore was treated. Uh, 
the way that Bethmore, not related to each other, they're, also, they're both very adamant about that. You know, they call each other brother and sister. But I think the way Tim Keller uh, was invited to Princeton to give the Kuiper Lecture and then was, was uh, shamelessly uh, disinvited to give that lecture. I'm sure that people looking back, whoever made that decision now, regret that. So how do we prevent that? What would be better? Imagine that, that someone uh, is in the public eye in a negative way right now, and they're a Christian leader, and, and another Christian leader decides to weigh in about it. Wouldn't it be amazing? Let's, let's, let's tease out what it could look like. Here's what it could look like. If, if somebody were humble enough and teachable enough to be able to say this, you know, I called this person. I said, what are you doing? Imagine this and, you know, sort of put out there in, you know, in, in a video or in a, in a tweet or something like that. You know, I called this person and I know everybody's upset about what they're doing. And I asked him, hey, what, what, what are you trying to accomplish here? And you know what? I really appreciate what they're trying to accomplish. And I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But here's how I would do it differently. Now, now you're bringing people to a level of value. You're saying, you know, they're trying to do something. They're, they're breaking some eggs. And I want to see whether or not they're actually trying to make an omelet or just breaking eggs, right? And you're saying, but let's... Let's examine this at the level of what they really care about that we all care about. What are you trying to accomplish? And then be able to say, and this is just basic Matthew 18. When you're talking about uh, conflict and dealing with it and how you approach it interpersonally, you go to the person first. If our leaders aren't doing that, if, if people in the public eye with broad influence aren't doing that, then what are they saying to the world? They're saying, we don't have any other tools. We don't have any other resources in Christianity except political power and levers. That's a terrible witness. Because we do. We have the light of the kingdom of God. And when we, when we take the risk of being teachable ourselves and to demonstrate some humility in that respect, then, then we can have the kind of influence that Jesus had. We can have the kind of influence that goes deep and then goes wide. You know, just in closing, I was, I was reading in one of John Ortberg's books, I don't remember which one, but he points out that in the Mishnah, which is which is a body, a code of, of the law, just a comprehensive code of all the laws of the Old Testament written around, the, you know, around Jesus' time, the Mishnah. <laughs> they go off paragraph after paragraph on whether or not you should clean the inside of a chalice or the outside first. Now, I know this seems trivial, but Jesus, isn't Jesus throughout the Sermon on the Mount showing that God wants to clean out the inside and the outside. That he doesn't want us to just wash the outside. How does the light get in? You know, I've been talking about how the light gets in through trust in the dark corners of your worry, and then you let other people see it. But doesn't 
the light get in more when you are transparent? Isn't the application of what you're learning to the relationships of one another, isn't that the means by which God continues to bring more of the kingdom into your life? Absolutely. And so, are you ready to take the risk of transparency? Let's pray. God, we pray that you give us the courage, the wisdom, the strength, the humility to let our light so shine before other people that they may see our good works but glorify not us but our Father in heaven in whose name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.